Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. Uh, this morning, like, uh, like Sibylla said, we're starting with a series that um, God will fight for us. And when I, when I first became a believer, um, there are some people who gave me the impression that this would be the best time of my life, the easiest time of my life. You're with God now. Everything will be all good. And in a sense, they're right, because for eternity, we're all good. But here, we are promised that there'll be tribulation, there'll be trial. It will be a fight. It will be a battle. And this morning, we're looking at, 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 at an aspect of that, uh, the fact that God calls us into, into battle with him, uh, which is amazing, but also that um, he's helped us with church family, with, with Christian brothers and sisters to stand with us. And the passage we're reading from today is Exodus chapter 17, uh, verse 8. I will give you a second to turn there or to swipe there, whichever one you choose. So Exodus chapter 17, uh, verse 8. So before we get into the passage, let me tell you what happened before. So previously in Exodus. The, the Israelites have just come out of Egypt now, right? A bunch of things have, come, have, have happened. The, plague have, the plagues have happened. God, God uh, uh, made himself um, visible and showed his might and his strength to Egypt and says, let my people go. And eventually, uh, very reluctantly, Pharaoh lets them go. But as they're, as they're heading out, as they're now freed, the Egyptians go like, what are we doing? We just left all of our slave labor to go. So they go after them now. And the Israelites get to the Red Sea, and God parts the Red Sea, and the Israelites pass through on dry ground. And I see it in my mind that just as the last Israelite crossed and the, and the Egyptians were coming in, then the waters close in and cover them up. Right after that, the Israelites now are free, but they're in a desert. And they start to say to God, are you, did you bring us out here? Like they complained to Moses. Did you bring us out here to starve in the wilderness? And God, being very kind, uh, gives them First, he gives them quail, some delicious uh, mini chickens to eat, right? And then the next morning, he gives them manna, literal bread from the heavens, right? After that, so they're, they're fed by him, and, and they still grumble again. They look around, and they say, hey, this is, this is a desert. God, are you going to let us die of thirst? They grumble to Moses again. Uh, God says to Moses, take the staff and hit the stone and water comes out. And they, they, they drink this water. The very next chapter now. So they, they've, as they're learning who God is and how faithful he is, a group of people called the Amalekites show up. And this is where our story starts off today. So starting from verse 8, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It reads, while the people of Israel were still at Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. Moses commanded Joshua, saying, Choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow I'll stand at the top of the hill, holding the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur 
climbed to the top of a nearby hill. As long as Moses held the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained the advantage. Moses' arms soon became tired, and he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. Then they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands. So his hands held steady until sunset. As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. After victory, the Lord instructed Moses, write this down on a scroll as a permanent reminder and read it aloud to Joshua. I will erase the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar there and named it Yahweh Nisi, which means the Lord is my banner. The Lord is my banner, yeah. He said, they have raised a fist against the Lord's throne, so now the Lord will be at war against Amalek generation after generation. We have this amazing picture. Uh, the, the Israelites first come from being rescued, and then God says, okay, here's the promised land I've promised to you. You will conquer all of these nations, but I want you to fight with me. That's what we're called to do. We're called to fight. We're called into battle. When you become a believer, you have a target on your back. We have uh, the enemy and, and, and his spiritual forces, the, the, the Satan himself coming against us. And it's great that we followed this up after Vilko two weeks ago preached on the armor of God. And one of the things there that, he, that, that is repeated is that this is a war against spiritual principalities, not against flesh and blood, not against one another, not against another person, against spiritual forces. That is where the battle is fought, and that is where God wins, right? And the amazing thing about this is that... Um, we fight, we fight in, in little battles here and there, but the war is won. You look at Revelations, and what is, what is promised by God is victory, that he will bring an end to all darkness. He will bring an end to Satan and all of his evil. He wins. He was victorious from, from the cross. But he calls us to our battles here. But he says, fight, fight with me. And there's... When I, when I first thought about this and when someone first sat me down and gave me the reality of this life that I'm living with Christ, that it was going to be a fight, I thought, ah, but life is already a fight as is. Right? Why must it get harder? And he said to me, think of a time where someone said there was a task to be done. And they said, and so it's a hard task and, and it's something that probably you wouldn't be able to do on your own. And think of them now choosing you and saying, I want you to fight with me. Let's go together. And I, and I remember thinking of, of, of a day, uh, the first, I call the, 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 the first horse mission. Right? So I remember I was 11, and that holiday, we had been, it was December, and we had been learning to ride, right, to ride horses. And I remember the first time I rode, I fell off in a space of, here, maybe here to the end of the hall two times. I maybe fell off the horse nine times, right? But after a couple of weeks, I graduated and I got a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better. And I remember one day uh, we were heading to a time when 
uh, a lot of our cars were going to be gathered and we're going to take them and sell them because what happens uh, with, with a lot of us is that there's a time of the year where cows are sold and then school fees are paid for and school uniforms are bought and all of that. And so we were, we were told as, as, as young men that, you know, this is your school fees that you're working for. And so this, this particular day we were, we were told that there's some cows about 20 k's away we need to ride and we need to go and get them. Right? And I was never included in one of these, and I'll call it a mission because I felt so cool that day. I was never included in one of those, and I remember as everyone was, 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 was taking, um, uh, going to choose horses, they, they say, come with us this time. And I was nervous, but I felt so good. I remember riding out and holding those reins and feeling like, like cowboys in those westerns. And all of us were kind of riding together. There were four of us, four horses side by side. It was really cool. The only thing that was missing was a sunset behind us because we left early in the day. But I remember at some point, one of, one of the cows that had been out in the bush for a long time, and when they're out in the bush for a long time, they start to act like wild animals. Right? And so this one runs off. And this guy, Yakova, he, he, he taps me on the knee. He says, go get it. And so I'm like, what? He's like, go for it. And so I start with my horse. And I've never... So if, if horses go from zero to, to, or gear one to gear six, I think I'd ended at gear four. But that day, opened it up to gear six, and I moved. And I remember the wind hitting my face and everything. And I remember coming and, and getting that cow and coming around and bringing it back and feeling so good. But feeling so good because I had been allowed to be a part of this. That's like one of my favorite moments. That's, that's one of my man moments in life. Right? It felt so good, but I was included. Right? And this is what our God does. He says, I've won the battle, but I want you to fight with me. And that's such a beautiful thing because our God wants to relate to us. I see a picture of Jesus walking between places with his disciples. He actually wanted to spend time with them. Not only that, but, but every battle that we fight, every Every trouble we go through, every trial, God is using that to refine us. So not only is he communing with us, but he's also purifying us. What an amazing God and what a, what a pleasure we have and what a joy it is to be able to fight with him. And I remember after that day thinking of, of uh, these trials in this way. And many times when I forget, I have to think of, I, I remember this guy and his name was Anaclet. He's the one who made me think about being chosen for the first time. And I think of, of, of battle that way. I think of the fights that we come across in our lives that way. That our God says, come and fight with me. Not only are we being purified, but we're also being given the most amazing purpose there is. To work so that God's kingdom would come and that his will would be done. And because of that, we fight. As we go, when we go back to our passage, we look at, at two battles going on at the same time. You have Joshua and them fighting out with, with the Amalekites. But then you also have Moses, who is standing on this hill. And Moses is not a young guy at this point. He's not young. And so he's standing there holding this stuff. And I can see him starting to shake. And every now and then, you know when you're holding something and this part of your shoulder burns? And every now and then gets too much and he starts to drop it. There's a battle going on there. And this is, this is an awesome picture because it's a picture of how God has called us as, as the body of Christ to stand and fight. That 
as, as one person is doing something, there's someone else praying for them, standing in the gap for them. As someone is fighting, there's someone standing alongside them, encouraging them. Right? Like Max said, in, in different ways, whether it's physically or, or, or spiritually and emotionally, that we're supposed to stand together. You see, Joshua's out there fighting, and he needs Moses. And the, the reality of what's happening here is this is the very first time the Israelites have fought anyone. Right? And I was, uh, I was, I was reading up, and, and they wouldn't have had any military training at all. Because before this, there were slaves in Egypt. And the Egyptian, the, the first king who saw that the, Egyptian, that the Israelites were many, he says, we have to subdue them. We have to make sure that they can never rise up against us. So it's very safe to assume that they would have given them no military training at all. And then you come and there's a nation who has been out there and they have been, even if it's little skirmishes and little battles here and there, they have that kind of knowledge that would be passed on from person to person. But the Israelites here, this is like the very first time they're out at battle. And even if they did train a little bit, here are people who for generations have not been enslaved. They're their own nation. They have their own army. So they're going out here. And I can see Joshua thinking, what are we going to do? And Moses saying, I'll, I'll, I'll stand out there with the stuff of, with this, it's, it's called here the stuff of God. And this is the same stuff that he would have thrown on the ground and it turned to, to a snake in front of the Egyptians. The same stuff that he struck the Nile with and then it turned to, to, to blood. The same stuff that he was lifted up at the Red Sea and the Red Sea parted. For someone like Joshua to see that and to be reminded that the God who did all of those things is with us today. But Moses had a part to play. Moses is out on, on the other side having his own battle. And this is a picture of the way it's supposed to be. The, the, the blueprint of how God wants us to live is throughout the entire Bible. Not just the New Testament, the Old Testament as well. But this made me think of a way that we think. Right? Moving, moving forward in time, we seem to become more and more individualistic. It becomes more about me. Even when we think of how we live out our faith. I have to read my Bible. I have to pray. I have to be good. I have to do this. I have to do this. And yes, we have personal relationship with God, but he's called us to be the body of Christ. But we have this loner mentality. What is the default response to how are you? I'm fine, right? Even when you're not, right? That's why we can, with much confidence, say a lot of us are liars, Right? Because we say that all the time, even when everything is chaos, we say we're fine. There are many people now, just as time progresses, and, and I've had some conversations with people who said, look, during this COVID time, uh, we were able to worship in line, I mean online. What's, what's the point of having church? What's the point of meeting together? More and more individualistic. So people don't want to be in church anymore. They don't want to be in Bible studies to, to, to encourage one another anymore. It's all about me and my relationship with God. I am good with God. We often live as our Christianity is only for us. 
as our faith is only for us, as the fight is only my own. But it says in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12, the human body has many parts, but many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. We have this, this battle, this massive battle, and we are called as the body of Christ to stand together. We're supposed to struggle together. We're supposed to encourage one another. Because here's, here, here's the flip side of it. When I'm on my own, as someone, someone knows me as someone who goes to, to New Song Family Church, let's say I fall into or, or I start having an affair with someone. Even though it's my mistake, it will reflect on everyone here. People will say, don't you go to that church where that guy had that affair? Isn't that your church? So even though we might think of it in an individualistic way, everyone sees it the way Christ puts it here, that you're part of a body. I've heard of, of, of stories even here where there's some sort of a scandal where one leader gets into some sort of a situation and people leave the church. And I think that's, a, that's because we don't understand that we're all a body. Instead of leaving that body, we're supposed to tend to that part. We're supposed to help heal that part. If one part of the body hurts, the whole body struggles. We're supposed to stand together. We're supposed to, to, to fight together. We're supposed to encourage one another. So this is what God has called us to. This is the life that he's called us to. What is he, how is he calling us to apply this? He says we need to share our burdens with one another. Galatians 1 verse, uh, 6 verse 1 and 2 says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation. And it says, share each other's burdens. In this way you obey the law of Christ. i say that again. Share each other's burdens. In this way you obey the law of Christ. It's like this picture of soldiers on a, on a battlefield and as one is struck by an arrow, this guy picks him up and says, we're not leaving you behind. Just because you're injured does not mean you're worthless. Let's keep moving. Let's fight together. That means praying for one another. Uh, that means encouraging one another. But it also means that we have to get to know one another and know what each other's struggles are in order to do those things. We need to make ourselves available to our church body, to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Are we doing that? Are we trying to find out what's, what's happening with this side of the body? What's happening with the thumb, right? Is the eye okay? Is the nose okay? Are we taking care of each other? God has called us to, 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 to stand together and it's such a beautiful thing when you, see, when you see unity amongst the body of Christ. It's an amazing thing, and it's an amazing testimony. And that's what we're called to do. So I'd like for all of us to, 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 to pray as, as, as we close this time. And think about it from both sides. First of all, am I acting and being vulnerable and sharing that this is my struggle. Uh, we often think that 
this is a place where people will come and they'll judge us. We think, we look at the next person and we think, oh, they seem to be okay. They seem to have it all together. I don't want to share with them. I don't want to embarrass myself. I don't want to shame myself. Some people, it's not even about the shame. Some people don't ever want to be a burden to anyone else, right? I don't want to, I don't want to put my issues on anyone else. I, 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 I will admit that I struggle with that a lot. I never want to burden people. But God is, is continu- continually saying to me, that's not burdening, that's being a family. That's being the body of Christ. That's being able to receive the love and help and healing from another person whom God is using to do that. So we need to look at, look at that. Are we in that way acting as the body of Christ? Are we closing ourselves off? Saying, I'm too ashamed. I don't want to be a burden to anyone. On the flip side, are we making ourselves available to help others? Are we looking at the body and saying, in this battle, this person is struggling. Let me walk alongside them. Let me help them. Let me stand with them. Let me do whatever I can to pull them out of whatever pit they're in right now. Are we doing those things? Let's bring those things to God and and, um, let's pray that God would lead us to to work and to, to live as a body and to fight together the way God intended us to. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for what you called us to. To eternal life, but as, as we live here on this earth, we live and we fight and we struggle. But God, you have not left us alone. You have said, let me fight with you. And the majority of the battles are fought by you. For you are the one with the strength to conquer, not us. God, you've called us to, to, to be your body. You've called us to be a family, to be a unit. God, I pray that you'd help us to do that. To make ourselves available, to, to, to help the other part of the body, to stand alongside, to fight alongside, to encourage those who are down. But God, also for us to have the humility to come before our brothers and our sisters and saying, I'm really struggling with this. I can't fight on my own. I need you to fight with me. Like Aaron and, and her who stood by Moses and lifted his hands, we need each other, Lord. So I pray that you'd lead us in that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is Rico Vecca, and I'm also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today, and it is my hope that you'll join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.